Blog Talk Radio. download button on this uh, bonus episode, the radio show, The Aftermath. I don't remember how many of these we've done so far, I can't say, but um, yeah, you know, we'll get more and more comfortable doing these, and this is just long-form interviews uh, outside of our normal live show, which airs every Tuesday at 8 p.m. So, um, if you read the caption, um, we're going to talk some hip-hop today. Um, It's been over 20 years since... uh, the uh, untimely deaths of the, the uh, I can't even talk. Listen to me. The notorious B.I.G. and Tupac, and we're gonna chat with uh, two great artists, Detroit Black and Edson Sean, and just talk about you know if hip hop ever recovered, how they're you know how they're still influencing things to this day, and just you know get into this whole conversation. So we're gonna go ahead and. Hit the applause button here. Yeah. Welcome in. Uh, first off, Detroit Black. Got him on the line first. Detroit, what's going on, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey, what's up, bro? Not too much, man. I'm sitting here on energy reserve. <laughs> Playing basketball oh, yeah, yeah. Early, early this morning and rolled my ankle like something serious. But I'm good besides that. So. Told you, man, when you playing you ball, you, you, you're a big dude. Huh? You got to be in the post, man. You got to be in the post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not trying to chase balls down like Dennis Rodman. That's what happened. No, no. You got to be down there, you know, in the post. <laughs> trying to chase the rebounds. Yeah, it's all good. You know what I'm saying? Trying to stay active. You know, you got to stay healthy out here in this new world. Nah, it's all, here, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's all good. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, again, uh, appreciate you coming on. Um, I have you and Edson uh-huh. Sean. Uh, we're having some. I mean, this happens, you know, when you're recording stuff. Uh, just a couple of difficulties to get Edson back in in here, and we just did, and he just joined okay. us. All right, there we go. Edson Sean, welcome to the radio show, The Aftermath. He gets the Detroit gets the sound effects. You get them too. <laughs> What's going on, man? What's going on? So, appreciate y'all coming on. 
the aftermath. So we got you two guys on here. So before we uh, get started, um, I would like for you to just tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself. We could start off with Detroit Black. Detroit, if you could just, you know, let the folks know a little bit about you and your background, if you will. Uh, okay. Um, I've been in music. I've been doing music probably since I was 16, and I'm a, become an elder statesman now. So, you know, I'm uh, I'm kind of graduating between being an artist and being a businessman behind the scenes. Um, basically, I've been learning everything um, that major labels do, how they get the budgets together, how they promote, how they market it, you know what I'm saying? And basically, I've, over the last uh, 20 years, I've actually uh, been hands-on doing a lot of the things and learning, you know, boots on the ground or actually how they get things to move, you know, including up into the uh, digital space, learning how uh, they go about getting views and, and, you know, things of that nature. So I'm just, uh, like, literally uh, took probably the last three years to uh, really just, like, roll up my sleeves and do strong studies on business and you know, how America moves and, you know, so, you know, basically that's, uh, what I've been into, uh, been a rapper, like I said, so I was rapping, uh, that's my, uh, love when it comes to artistry and creativity. Um, you know, been doing it since I was 16, basically. And, you know, now I'm all about, um, you know, helping other people achieve their dreams, basically. Cool, man. That's and that's true. It. Cause I mean, yeah. You know, because I can vouch for that because you've been like a mentor for me, you know, for years and years. So I can, I can vouch for that part of it. And then uh, we mm-hmm. can switch this over and uh, bring in Essen Shana. Essen, you know, um, you're a busy man. You got a lot going on. If you could just, you know, let the people know about you. No, definitely. Um, I've been doing music for as long as I can remember. Um, I mean, we all actually used to create music together, which is, a, a very just fond time. Um, you know, right now I'm focusing on creating music that will stand the test of time. You know, not only that it sounds good, but there's substance to it. And especially in the time that we're in now, we need things that are of substance, things that will motivate, things that will inspire. And so a lot of my creations now have been focused on that. You know, I started out in the rap group Connect, and then I started branching out on my own so that I could combine the singing and the rapping together. And um, as years progressed, I learned and picked up several instruments of my own. I ended up producing my own stuff, and I produce for other artists as well. And I'm also an audio engineer, and one of the things that I'm working on is being able to provide independent artists who want to improve their sound courses so that they can do so at home, especially since... A lot of them are not able to get into the studio now. They want to have, they want to create things, but then they also want it to sound as good as it would if it was coming out of the studio. So I'm providing them with that. So I am kind of like a hybrid of, you know, a little what what um, T Lead is doing, Detroit Black is doing, and just you know the regular artist, you know, having the creative as well as the business, and it, you know it, it it divides me a lot, but I feel like it's something that's important. Like when we have. Uh, a piece of the puzzle. We need to share it as opposed to hoard the information. And so that's really where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm creating I have an EP that I'm dropping on June 12th, um, which is called Relax, Relate, Release, which is inspired by a lot of the feelings that came out of this, you know, 
quarantine that they had us in. I mean, that's a whole other long conversation. But, you know, um, these are just some of the feelings that were inspired by that. And so that's that's where I'm at right now. All right, cool. And, you know, with that, um, you know, just to speak on what both of you were talking about as far as, like, um, music and everything, you know, um, again, I can say the same thing about Detroit for myself is that, you know, you produce records for the both of us, and then not only that, but uh, you've been also a, a big-time mentor for me when it comes to stuff like that. So it's good to know that both of y'all are keeping busy, um, not only just being in the in the business but learning the business. So um, thank you for you know, in- introducing yourself to some people who might not have heard of what you've been doing. So, um, so yeah, definitely appreciate it. So, the conversation I wanted to have with you two, um, myself and EZ, was um, we wanted to talk about, you know, rap music from a standpoint of going back to looking at the deaths of Tupac and the Notorious B.I.G. I know Biggie's birthday just passed not too long ago, and this what made this pop into my head, that both of those two are gone. They both were, uh, you know, killed within six months of each other. And I wanted to you know, start a dialogue as far as, you know, learning about how they're moving on as far as, you know, not being around anymore affected everything. So I want to um, direct this first question for you, S and Sean. I'm going to ask both of you, but I'm going to start with you, S. And um, when did you first hear Biggie? What was like the, what was your first time hearing Biggie? What song was it when you first heard it? Oh, man, that had to be, shit, I can't even remember the year, but it was, uh, Party and Bullshit was the first song that I heard. I think it was on the soundtrack, um, if I'm not mistaken. But that was the first song that I heard. No, not even. That was the first song that was just his that I heard. But he was on this um, this remix, um, uh, Super Cat remix, Dolly My Baby. With, it was Super Cat, Third Eye, and Notorious Big and, and, and Diddy. I love it when you call me Big Pop for the show stop. You know, and that's where they got that sample from. So that was the first time mm-hmm. I heard him. I was like, who is this? This is different. You know, his his swag was different. You know, there's always going to be the conversation as to who was better, who's the best rapper of all time, Big or Pac. And honestly, like, I think Big just had a lot of things he did well. I wouldn't. I, he's not my number one, but I I love what he did when it comes to creating music and not necessarily having to write it down. He felt the music. You know, sometimes when you write, there's a disconnect when you read it off the paper, and he was just so good at that. So I remember the first time I heard him was, was on that um, Super Cat remix. Cool. <laughs> All right. Um, Detroit, I'm going to throw the same question back at you, man. When was the first... Uh, when did you first hear Biggie? What was the What was the first song? Uh, you know, this is a uh, little ways back. You know, I'm in completely different Twice I wasn't in the Mecca with you know hear, being able to hear Biggie like like Ed Sunshine, but um, the first song I remember hearing Biggie on was a bunch of niggas, uh, Heavy D, and you know back then you know it was dancing and partying and you know the nineties or whatever. As kids, you know you know we always wanted to look up to what was going on. Heavy D was always on the TV screen doing his little dance. Mm-hmm. And so I was a Heavy D. I like Heavy D. So, you know, it was, yeah, I dropped the album and it was on the song, a bunch of niggas. And, I, you know, Biggie, you know, really shined on that song. I was like, yeah, man, this guy's pretty cool. I like him. And, you know, he changed his style a little, little later, but, you know, he exactly. always stood out for what he did. You know what I'm saying? 
So that was the first song I ever heard of her. Yep. Cool. So I'm gonna ask my my brother. I, now this is funny because when Ready to Die dropped, I don't either he wasn't born, either he was just a baby or he hadn't been born yet. I don't remember what month Ready to Die came <laughs> out. But um, what wow. what was the first what was the first time you heard a big? And I wasn't doing that to poke at you, bro. I was just letting you know, just give a little backstory. But nah, it's okay. We all know I'm not an expert on. Uh, the big and Tupac era, but <laughs> nah, I was about uh, I was about probably six or seven years old when I first uh, heard uh, Hypnotize, to be honest with you. Uh, so yeah, call it uh, six. I was like 2001, 2002. Okay. All right. What do What do you think when you first heard him? Like, cause. I mean, at that point in time, I mean, you're young, but, I mean, you, you kind of know what sounds good. What do you think? I think, uh, just to piggyback off what Edson said, I think he just had a really unique sound to him, and, you know, he had a lot of good songs that flowed really well, you know. All of his uh, – I just lost my train of thought. But, like, basically all of the – all of his hits had a good catch to him, and they were easy to remember and sing along to. So that's really what I remember most. Okay, cool, yeah, cool. Biggie was a special talent because, you know, he was able to be relatable to so many different exactly. people. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? You could come from the hood, exactly. middle class. You know what I'm saying? You could be high level like a, you know, you know high level person or whatever. He just, everybody related to his music. You know, he was a exactly. deep thinker and a poet. So it transcended just regular hip hop and the hood, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so. yeah for sure no, it did. It did. Definitely. It had a, had a different sound to him. And for me, just to throw it out there, the first time I heard Biggie, um, I remember where I was. So I was at my I was at my grandmother's house and I was like flipping channels and I flipped the BT and the first song I heard of him was Big Papa and I remember just being glued to the TV because I was like, you know how some guys where you're like, oh hey, he got skills. I'm like, man, this dude can flow the voice. You know, I like what he was saying. I like what the video looked like. I was like, I had never heard anything like that before. So I was like instantly a fan the moment I just heard him, you know, to all my ladies in the place with style and grace. I was like, oh, okay, this is different. I hadn't heard it like this before. And, um, yeah, I was I was a fan right from then. Right, um, right. It's cool also learning about the first time that other people that you know heard of an artist, like where where you were and and how you interpret it. So, Detroit, I'm going I'm to start this one with you. When did you first hear of Tupac, and what was the first song you heard from him? <sighs> Man. Um, Pac, uh, of course, is Digital Underground. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he just, like, set that song off when he got on there, you know. So, uh, you know, in... in when he came in, we didn't expect him to become what he really was. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, uh, kind of around when I hang around with the underground. You know what I'm yeah, saying? He came yeah, in, and yeah, just yeah, yeah, set yeah. that song off. You know what I'm saying? It's like who is this? You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's the first time I ever heard him watching BET. You know, like oh, okay. So what about you, Essen? Um First I'm, time I'm, you uh, caught Tupac. <laughs> Same song. I remember um, sitting and watching him and seeing him when he came in. He even came in in the video different. He came in sitting on the yeah. throne. It was carrying him. And then, <laughs> right. like, who is this guy? 
you know, he had so much energy in his little moment, he, like, mm-hmm. upstaged everybody. Upstaged everybody. Royalty came in as Who's this dude? Who's this dude? You know, and it's like, when you look at the trajectory of, of Digital Underground and Tupac, it's like, man, it's like he had something. He knew it. And so he came in there as like, you know, and, you know, when you get on a record with other folks, you're like, all right, what, what you got? Okay, what you got? Okay. Y'all ain't fucking with what I got. And, I, and, and, and you know it. You know, and so he came <laughs> on there and he, he did that shit like he knew it. He was like, yo. <laughs> right. Yeah, he set a tone and never, never let up, you know. Exactly. We just didn't know what we was getting with him. It's just like what you said, Detroit. It's like you, how could you know what he was gonna turn into? You just, it, I mean, you, you knew you saw something, but you didn't know it was gonna turn into what it did. Now, Ed, so let me ask right. you, man. You, um, when was the first time that you heard Pac? And again, you know, we, we, you know, it's on on the curve. We understand that you're a little bit younger than this, but still, you know, it's nothing like hearing somebody for the first time because it's new to you. Then, so what was the first song that you remember hearing the Tupac? Uh, it was probably around the same time, um, but the first song I ever heard by him uh, was I Get Around, and I think mm-hmm. MTV was doing, like, a throwback video thing, so, like, you know, I Get Around video comes on, and you just automatically start bobbing your head, too, and you're like, damn, this shit is good. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, contrary to Biggie, where he just has, you know, he had really good hooks that you know, caught people's attention and were easy to remember. I remember Tupac more as like a really in-depth storyteller. Like he has a message mm. at the end of his song. Um, so even with a song like I Get Around, at the end of it, you're like, okay, I feel like he was telling the story about something or like he was reminiscing on something that's happened to him. It's cool to hear the different interpretations of it. Um for me, it was um, it was keep your head up. Like I had heard other stuff, and but that was the one that like captured me. Like it had me stand still, listen to what he say, listen to his the lyrics, and I, you know what he was talking about was you know it was deep. And then his just his velocity and his delivery, you know that's just I don't know it's impeccable, man. And it just kept, it's something about him that just catches you and. It was the same thing with Big. It's just instantly a fan, instantly just like hooked into it. And who could have known what it was going to turn into? So um, we're talking to Essence, Essence Sean, and Detroit Black. All right, you're checking out the radio show, The Aftermath, talking about Tupac and Biggie and their influence on hip hop. So um, I want to ask you guys here, um, what? And we could roll with you on this one. Essence, Sean, what was it about these two that transcended hip-hop more than any before them? They got to a spot where it seemed like nobody had ever gotten to. So what was it about them that just, it transcended rap music? I think if you think about anything, right, in order to be successful in some way, shape, or form, or degree, you have to be relatable, Right? And some people may call that likable. But even the people that didn't like him, like they were just very captivating. You know, there's some people that when they step in a room, <clears throat> you can't help but pay attention because their inner energy and that glow, it, it can't be denied because they were both very uh, secure on what they can do, right? They knew they were dope, and you could not take that from them. 
but also they were relatable. They made themselves relatable and available. And they like when they're in a, when you're in a room with them, they made you feel like, yo, this is my guy, this is my boy. From you know, they were very relatable, and that was the thing that you know I think a lot of MCs at that time couldn't do. Like everyone was just really trying to be like the dopest lyricists, the dopest metaphors, which was a, a good art and skill to have because especially in that era, you needed to have that in your bag. But why they were able to transcend it is because they understood. Okay, I need to let them know that I can spit. Like I'll give them a metaphor too, but I need to give them something relatable. They created music that had relatable stories. Um, you know, Brenda had a baby. It's a relatable story. Like we all know a story like that. Maybe not to that extent, but we know that person who got pregnant and she wanted to get rid of the child and didn't know how to do it. Right? Juicy. You know, he was talking about he didn't want to hustle, but he was hustling on the block to feed his daughter. Like these stories were relatable. And on top of it, the music was dope. Like, they just had dope formulas, and as individuals, they were very captivating. And that was something that a lot of, you know, not all the artists in that era had the whole bag. They either had some of it, one of it, but they somehow mm-hmm. embodied all of it. That's a, that's a real good expo- explanation, and, and that was coming from, sounds to me like someone who, you know, with you being an aspiring artist, it was like coming from a wow, you know, if you're building, balancing, blueprinting what you want an artist to look like in the genre of rap, they, it's like they hogged all of it from everybody. They, they, some like you said, some people get one or two things. They got it all. Yeah. <laughs> sure. What about but, you know? But even with that, but even with that, right? Like, let's take like, let's look at Michael Jordan, right? Everybody was like, this greatest of all time, and then you know, there's that argument that's going now. But what did Kobe do, like? Everybody thought Michael had everything, and nobody there would never be another Michael. But what did Kobe do? He studied it. He studied it. He studied it. I studied like each of them because I'm like, damn, what is it that they're doing? Even though if I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm a better lyricist than, than such and such. What is he doing that's got him where he is? And that's why I studied. Those are two people that I studied. Yeah, they are the ones to study. But um, what I like, uh, and me and uh, my business partner, Big Red, talk about it all the time. It's the same thing that's missing in uh, a lot of artists today, and that's marketability, marketability. Mm -hmm. Uh, Biggie Mm -hmm. and Pac was the most marketable artists in the history of hip-hop, both of them, because uh, Biggie just felt like, yo, like he was, you know, your homie, like you grew up with him. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. He just seemed like a guy that lived on the same block. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, cracking jokes. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Out rap you. You know what I'm saying? Even pull, pull <laughs> chicks over you. And you're like, how did this nigga get this girl over? That's, he right. was just, uh, <laughs> he had so much, like that's uh, what I'm saying, uh, so much in his bag. You know, he just couldn't mess with him. And Pac, Pac was raised and trained to be a star, period. And it's like, it was nobody can mess with the deafness. Uh, of Tupac, you know what I'm saying? It's like the dude was just too deep, you know what I'm saying? He had movie star looks, you know, he, his work ethic was impeccable, you know what I'm saying? He fit in the hood, but he was also uh, pro-black, you know what I'm saying? He just had everything that, you know, every artist, you know, like every artist had a piece of him, but he had all of them, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, his marketability was just insane, you know what I'm saying? White, white people, black people, Mexicans, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Uh, people overseas. Exactly. He was exactly. like a Michael Jackson style uh, star, you know, when it came to hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like 
you know, nowadays you don't see artists as, as marketable that has that because, you know, they make certain mistakes with their image or, you know, with they, with they vibe or whatever where, you know, certain people can't touch them. Everybody loved Tupac and wanted to touch him. You know what I'm saying? So, like, mm-hmm. like as an example, here's something that's just off the cuff. Before he died, he was going to be Mace Windu in Star Wars. Tupac. You know what I'm saying? So just think that Sam Jackson got the part. You know what I'm saying? But only because Tupac died. That that shows how, how, you know, marketable he was. That's insane when you really think about it. Wait, for real? Like, you... you, Yes. For real? Yes, Tupac. George Lucas had a meeting with Tupac. They had figured out the uh, contract details and everything. He was going to be uh, Mace Windu in Star Wars. You, you know what's interesting? You know what's interesting about Tupac. Tupac is—he's the guy that everybody wanted to be, and the guy that every girl wanted to be with. He didn't matter exactly. who or whatever, and that's why exactly. he was so marketable. Yeah, like think about it. Like those, these two guys, when they passed, you know, millions of people shed tears—real <laughs> tears. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they mm-hmm. you know, like when Pac, I, I felt Pac was my best friend. I ain't even gonna lie. I, I was so huge of a Tupac fan, you know what I'm saying, that, you mm. know, you know, I had to really uh, check myself when he passed, you know what I'm saying? Nah, <laughs> and, and we're going to get deeper into that, too. Because, exactly, exactly, you know, and, and again, that is the thing, like, they, they, they were able to capture that, like, ability, like, you felt like you lost a friend, like, you felt like you knew them through their music. You know, we did. I mean, they, exactly. we know as much as they let us know. But it's like it felt so comfortable and familiar. It's like when he passed, it's like, what did he mean? Right. That's true. Crazy. Yeah. And just to get another perspective, since all of us kind of lived in that, that heyday of it, I want to ask EZ, how, okay, so what was it about them that you seen listening to them as sort of like, um, guys from, I guess, a different, just a generation before yours. Of what do you felt like? You know, they're trans, as far as them being transcendent. What was it? What do you feel it was about them that had fans and people just all over them? Um, I think it just goes back to you know every song that they put out that went you know mainstream. Call it. It's like a major record. Like people. Well, number one, the music has aged well, but also, too, like, there's not many people that you can find that don't know a lot of these songs word for word. And, you know, just talking to people and asking, like, hey, what are your thoughts on these two artists? You'll rarely find people that say they either don't like them or that they're overrated or something crazy like that. Like, it seems like they were universally celebrated to your point um when they died like it really affected a lot of people because they were so well loved and respected and listened to they are still revered to this day and uh that brings up something that detroit was just just talking about um i'll start with edson on this one where were you when you found out tupac died man oh man uh where was I? I think I was at I was at school still. I was at Stony Brook. Um and I don't even remember how the news broke. I remember how I 
felt in that moment. I was in my dorm, and I don't remember who delivered the information. But, you know, it's like I think back to the time when we didn't have social media like this, right? And so you had to get your information. They had a little Internet, but it wasn't as popping as it is now. So you got information via there or, like, MTV, right? And I just remember having this sinking feeling. Somebody, I think, came from their room and said, yo, did you hear about Tupac? And I just remember the feeling. It was like a sinking feeling. And, you know, like, when Terrence said it felt like his best friend had died, I can relate to that because it's like, you know, you think about how, especially at that time, how engrossed you were in hip-hop music and, and, and how much that was a soundtrack to our lives, right? Mm-hmm. And to have somebody who was so young that we could relate to those creators' music and we knew he was about to take off because he had had that dope movie. I can't remember the last movie that he had. So I was like, yo, Tupac about to take off. And then to find out, that his life was taken. Like, when he got shot, I'm like, okay, he's going to make it because he, he just happened to him before. Yeah, he did it right? before. It's like, he, yeah, right. he's, like, he's going to make it. He good. Yeah, he, he, he's Superman. He's invincible. Tupac, but then to find out he was gone, I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, I was in disbelief. Yeah. I was in shock. And then when the reality set in, it was like a huge, heavy sadness. It's like, damn. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that was anyway, crazy. Yeah. I was, I know I can just go ahead and jump in there. I was riding down Strathmore, the street that I was born and raised on, in the backseat of my homie Beto's car. And they announced on WJLB 98 FM in Detroit that Tupac had died. (laughs) And Beto looked at me like, damn. And and he looked at me, he's like, is you crying? And I was like, no, I ain't crying. You know what I'm saying? And he still talk about that to this day. Does does 
the death of Tupac, did that affect you any, like, I, you know, as far as from an aspect of, I guess, how you listen to hip-hop? Oh, I thought you were going to ask where was I when he died. I, I would have told well, you I was, I was sitting in the diaper. You were probably in, like, um, like, you know, I was sitting in the diaper. Dad's lap or something, you know. probably sending me a, around a lullaby or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, kind of like any other assassination, you know, that happened, you know, before I was alive or could remember. Like, why did it happen? Who did it? Um, Why would somebody want to do that? So I think for me, it was just a lot of questions like, okay, well, if Tupac was so loved and revered, why would somebody try to kill him? You know what I'm saying? And just trying to figure out, you know, all the conspiracies. And then obviously you got people who still say that he's still alive, like they do Elvis and all this other stuff. So... I think his death and Biggie's death really helped people appreciate their work. Not to say that it wasn't appreciated before. You mean like in the like for people like in in the moment type thing? Like appreciate people more in the moment than after they're gone. That's that's what you mean. Well, just like you know, people enjoyed his music before. But now, you know, people have, like, a protective glass over it because that's all they have of him left, you know? Um, that's where I was trying to go with that. Yeah, okay. they become martyrs. It just makes it even bigger. You know, Pac's uh, work ethic was relentless. He just dropped 10 albums after he died. You know what I'm saying? That That's irreplaceable. That's what we miss the most about Biggie because Biggie was in the moment right his rhymes in his head guy. So, you know, he didn't have all that work available after he passed, and that shit really hurt, you know what I'm saying, when it comes to Biggie, because Biggie was genius-level lyricist, artist, rapper, you know, and it's like, that's the thing that was really missed in hip-hop, was Biggie's third, fourth, and fifth album, you know what I'm saying, just imagine yeah, you didn't even shit get to that point. Yeah, you know, but Pac, Pac was lucky enough to bless us with just just immense albums, you know, that, that continued his career after he moved on to lock his name, you know, solid, you know, he's good, you know. And that's, he that's is. The, you know, thing. One gave us everything even after and the other one we just have to hold on to what he gave us and just, you know, stay in that. But even that is so much better than what came after it. <laughs> so, yes, yes. And it's, it's interesting <laughs> that you had brought that up about Big. Again, you're listening to the radio show, The Aftermath. We're talking to the the very talented Detroit Black and the very talented Edson Sean that's joining EZ and myself, M16, here, you know, just talking hip-hop here. So, Detroit, you, you brought it up. We were about to allude to it. We talked about where we were when we found out that Pac was gone and taken from us. Tell us about the same thing with Biggie. Where were you? How were you feeling when, when you found out the news? Oh, man. Uh, when I heard Biggie died, I was at home, and I just didn't believe it. I was mad at him because I was like, why are you in Cali with all this, uh, you know, all this yeah, man. West and big uh, pocket that you just kind of flexing on 
on Cali, and it was like when Pac died, I just kind of already knew it was going to happen to Biggie, and I was like, man, why are you out there? Just let this die down for a year, you know what I'm saying? So he was out there in Cali doing the tour because of the awards, and I just, man, I just kind of knew it was going to happen, man. I was just so hurt to hear that, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, no matter how you felt about either one of them, you, you might have liked one better than the other. You still love both of them, you know what I'm saying? And you didn't want to hear that when, when he, you know, passed over. I didn't shed a tear, but it was like a piece of me was broken when, when I heard Biggie die because I was just, you know, um, you know, you just didn't want to hear that. You want you wanted so much more from him, and it was just so tragic to hear about, you know, and it was like, why? Because you didn't have to, you know what I'm saying? That's how I felt about it. But I was at home, you know, I was just chilling and at home, and when I heard it over the radio, I was like, man, I already knew it was going to happen. I just didn't want to believe it was going to happen, and when it did, it was, it was kind of, you know, sad. It wasn't necessarily shocking to me, you know, but like I said, it felt like a piece of me was broken. So, so D, Detroit, real quick, because I, you know, I don't, I wasn't mm-hmm. in that, you know, remembering that time. Why are you so convinced that you knew it was going to happen? Uh, because of the East Coast, West Coast beef that escalated mm. to where it was out of control. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. you know, artists was, was riding around with bulletproof limos and security out the wazoo after Pac got killed. And the beef between Pac and Biggie was so strong, and it was like Pac was the king of the West Coast and Biggie was the king of the East Coast, that when Pac died, I, it did not matter. A, a crazed fan would have killed Biggie just because Pac was dead, and everybody felt that Biggie had, and his crew, the East, you know, had something to do with Pac's death no matter right, what right. was said. So he didn't stand a chance. And that's why I was like, he needed to chill and stay away from Cali or the West Coast until that shit calmed down, at least, for people to get hit. It was still real raw. Pac's death was real raw. And when he went to the West Coast, he was out there kicking it like it was all cool and like nothing would happen to him. And it's like, yeah, you know, the industry wouldn't do nothing to you, but there's some crazy fans, gangbangers, you know what I'm saying, a whole bunch of different situations where people was feeling, you know, like that, they wasn't cool with it. You know what I'm saying? So I, I just kind of felt, you know, I, I kind of felt it was going to happen, man. You know, it's interesting you brought that up, too, because, you know, the beef, I'm putting in air quotes, between mm-hmm. Biggie and Pop, a lot of that was media perpetuated. Yep. The coining of the phrase East, uh, East Coast versus West Coast beef, was a media fabrication. Yes, mm-hmm. they had, you know, a little disagreements here and there, but they blew it way out of proportion. And then not only were artists, but people were taking sides. Yep. And once and once Pac was gone, and then there was rumors that D may have something to do with it. Like it was, it was just, it was just an ugly time. And the, I, I really blame the media at that point in time for continuing to perpetuate it, just for ratings. And I know that there's a lot of that really feel bad about that, and, and they're guilty for it because yeah. you know, fat, crazy fans, all they need is a battery. They don't got to be a small battery. This could be a AAA mm-hmm. battery. And you put that in their back, and they're gonna run with it. And that's what happened because Biggie didn't have to die. You know, he really was like, "Yo, I got exactly. love on the West Coast. 
I got love on the West Coast. Yeah, you do, from the artist. And then also remember, um, you know, Snoop was adding to the fuel to the fire when he was kicking the buildings down, like, and then right, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a whole lot of things that were leading up to this moment. And again, once the media perpetuated it, then the artists are like, well, I'm going to feed into it too because I'm, I need to get these records sold. And then it just blew up bigger than it needed to. Mob Deep's getting in on it. Like, it's, nice. it's, everybody was just taking Nas, you know, so everyone was taking sides at that time. And then, yeah. you know, but then after a while, I was like, oh, this is this is real shit. Like, yeah, there's people who have nothing to live for, and all they live for is this music stuff and living mm-hmm. and living vicariously through these artists. So you, all they need is that little triple A battery, and they're going. Mm-hmm. I yep. think for me, that was like a really bad time, and I really was disappointed in the way that it happened. You know, with, with since, and then, you know, Terrence and I often see eye to eye on a lot of things. And literally, I was at home. I was like, I had a bad feeling. I'm like, why is he going out there? You know, why is right. he going out there? Um, and I think when I found out about it, I was more numb than anything. Because I'm like, damn. And it's, it just felt calculated like, calculated. like they took out two of the top MCs at this time, and now hip-hop was becoming pop music. So I also yep. have another theory about that. You know, you take out the top tier, and then it's just devalued now. You know, people didn't want hip-hop to become pop music. So, right, that's yeah. true. Well, it did. I mean, if you go back and, re- and research it, um, so if we talk about the year before, well, the year that Tupac passed, 1996, that was like the biggest year of hip-hop ever. That was like the year that hip-hop stepped up from being a little kid to a grown-ass man during that year. When you look at all the classics and how much money that hip-hop was making and being generated and everything, and then you look at it a year later, the following summer, 97, they're both gone. Tupac and Biggie are both not there anymore. So I want to find out from everybody on here, because I know I have my opinion on it. My brother and I, we kind of have an argument slash discussion about this quarterly. Is Do you feel like rap music ever recovered from losing them? Because I don't feel like it did. I feel like there's always been something missing ever since both of them were gone. Um, I'll start with Edson on this one. Did hip-hop mm. ever recover, in your view? Well... You know, the way I look at music, I think, is more um, universally than a lot of folks. That that was in my era of music, right? I don't even know if there's a recovering, right? But what ended up happening was it made space for other artists. Case in mm-hmm. point, Jay-Z, Jay-Z, right? I feel like, you know, like how Michael, I mean, Kobe studied Michael, um... I feel like Jay-Z was doing the same because Jay-Z also had a similar genius to Big where he didn't have to write his book down, right? And it's, it's, there's two people that made space for Jay. You had Biggie passing away and had Big L. Big L was up next after Big. He was, he was going to be next. Mm-hmm. Um, and they both got taken out. So it was like, okay, there's a lane for somebody else to come in, right? So you had Jay, you had Jay Z, right? You had um, Most Def, Talib Kweli, Pharrell March. You had a new class that was coming in, 
right? But at this time, that was they were considered the backpack underground hip hop, right? What a lot of <laughs> other artists were doing at the time was taking the blueprint of Pac and Big, you take an R&B sample, put some dope drums on it, you get a singing hook or a nice smoothed out hook, and it's for your commercial hits, and then you rap over that, you know. So basically, I feel like it's not a matter about recovering. I feel like there was a shift. There was a shift because it's like, okay, who's going to be the king now? Who's going to be the king now? And then after that point, I feel like Southern Rap took over and was really mm-hmm. dominant. You Manny Fresh, No Limit, you know what I'm saying? You got your Midwest hay in the middle of the barn, you know, um, David Banner at the time. So it's like there was a shift that happened. So I don't know if it's about an issue of recovering. I feel like it's a shift. And I think each generation has their thing that's hot. Like Lil John, I, I'm kidding you not. I was like, who, who is this guy that is yelling on all these songs? Who Who is this person <laughs> with these chords that literally I remember – Courtney would make these beats that were similar to it. I, I like Courtney's beats. I was like, God damn it. You, you know, two notes in the beat, and that's all you really needed, you know, for a Lil John track, but there's the drums and the heaviness of the bass, right? So it was a shift. It was just a shift into what people wanted to hear. Um, and, again, it was all derivatives of what Big and, 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 and Tupac were doing. Um, so I really feel like it was a shift. I don't know if it was a matter of a recovering. I do think it was something lost. There was a whole left. And it left space for people to fill that hole. Yeah. Ed, Edna, I just want to let you know, my brother is, we can't see him, but he's really mad right now that you just said that because that's what I was trying to say the other day. You can go ahead. He, he always has to point out, just, just never, it doesn't matter whether we're on the air, whether we're hanging out, whether we're talking. If Easy gets an easy was right moment, the world is going to know about it. Because he, he, he sent me a text with this emoji like, yeah, that's right, bitch. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. But, and you know, if we weren't related, I don't know how much I'd like you, man. Seriously. Cause he, I guess I'm going to go ahead and jump in. Let me go ahead and just get the aroma of this out the way. Because I, I, we don't know what Detroit's going to say. But... That's that's what I was trying to explain to 16. Like, you're saying hip-hop isn't as great as what it used to be or it's fell off because you don't listen to current hip-hop. And, I, right. you know, current hip-hop compared to the golden era, it's not even close. The golden era is way better. The quality's better. Uh, you could argue that the depth of artists is better Absolutely. than what it is today. The diversity of artists is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... You cannot underestimate or devalue the power of hip-hop in today's culture. You could argue it's like a top three listen genre. Now, has it changed from what it was? Absolutely. But you cannot underestimate the power and the influence it has, especially when it comes to the diversity of listeners um, and just the way that they, you know, artists today take care of take advantage of the radio waves. And I'm going to quote Swiss Beats because he did an interview recently with uh, Sirius XM. And, you know, the DJ asked him, like, hey, Swiss, how do you feel about the rap game? And he said, rap is in a renaissance or a transition, if you will. And he said that when you have things that are in transition, 
it opens opportunity for people to showcase new ideas and talents. And that's basically what hip hop is now. Um, people are getting an avenue to try out new things and whether it's good quality or not, it's kind of on the platform for people to kind of judge. So um, have the Migos and the Mumble Rappers of the world um, made hip-hop not as great as what it used to be? Sure. But it's still very much um, prevalent and powerful. Yeah, I agree with what you said. I'm going to speak on that. Well said. Well said. Yes, sir. I'm going to say this. Um, when they died, it was a drought in hip-hop and in rap that was just uh, sickening. You know what I'm saying? Because it was like everybody was trying to be as good as they was, and they didn't mm-hmm. make it. They didn't meet the bar, and everybody was coming. So it was like an oasis of terrible music. And then it will be good hits in the middle, and, you know, it will be a, a – a, a, you know, like Master P and No Limit came, you know, with their movement. You know what I'm saying? Dipset had a movement. You know what I'm saying? It'll be little movements in there, but it was not how these two icons held it down. But you would get a Blueprint album. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you would get uh, an Eminem second album. You know what I'm saying? You had The Chronic, 2001. Uh, you got 50 Cent first album. You know what I'm saying? It was some real classic Albums, all the stuff Ooh. that Outkast was doing. You know what I'm saying? It yes. was some real classic yes. albums, you know, after they passed, but it might have not been like, you know, one artist just giving us all that we wanted. You know what I'm saying? And and that was the difference. And it's, it's all the way to today. You know, that's the thing that uh, may have been missing, but, you know, this is a lot more good talent now. And we got comfortable with the fact that people couldn't reach uh, the, the the heights of a, of a Tupac or a notorious B.I.G. But now, now, today, the difference is, to piggyback what Ezra, Ezra was saying, is when it comes to hip-hop, the whole world is listening now. It's the preferred mm-hmm. you know, choice of music is hip-hop and R&B, soul R&B. You know, those two right. forms of music right now is what the world wants to hear. You know, so the hip-hop market is billions of of people because of the Internet. The Internet has opened it up to Africa. It's opened it up to Brazil. Brazil has more hip-hop Europe, fans than, than anywhere else say, in the yeah, world. Uh, England specifically has had a lot mm-hmm. of rappers make it on the world stage, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's huge. Rap and soul music, like like, like Detroit said. Rap, soul music, Mm -hmm. especially in the UK, soul music, white soul. Yeah. Like, honestly, when I went over there in Europe, and I went to to France, I went to Germany, Mm -hmm. um, I think those are the two main places I performed. They're dying for that. No, and I went to uh, 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 Austria. Dying for it. They're like, yo, we never get anything like this. I'm singing on stage and rapping on stage. They're crying. I'm like, what is this? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, but 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 they they appreciate that style of music more, you know. And again, mm-hmm. worldwide, that's this hip hop is just taking over. Like honestly, for me, if I'm looking at it, I'm saying hip hop is top two um, right. genre of music to listen to because even the pop records, even the pop records, 
Mm-hmm. Listen to them drum beats. Listen to how many of them have that trap feel, even though they might lighten up the drum a little bit, you know, yeah. just so that it doesn't sound too heavy as a trap. But it's the same rhythm. It's the same pattern. They're even singing over it with the same flow. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. They're taking, they're like, okay, well, people are listening to that. I need to incorporate some of that into my songs that I want to do numbers. Like, that's what right. they're doing. Yeah. It's just like it's a whole new golden age of uh, music coming. Like, uh, yep. the 2020s is going to be amazing. Like, all these new artists that's popping up now is is, is trans, transcendent. They're next level. And they don't even know it yet, but, you know, right. they don't. They might not have it all together. Their music might be there, but their image might not be. You know what I'm saying? So they Listen. still got some steps, but, but I'm telling you, it's coming. It's about to be, you know, and, like the groundbreaking music that's coming is coming. That's it, exactly. And to piggyback off of that, the reason why it's going to be groundbreaking and the reason why 2020 is so pivotal is because right now, everybody has shifted focus. Like right now, no one is really focusing on the club, how much money you have. They're, they're, they're worrying about real-life things. And what's right. going to happen is people are going to start creating around that. Like that, that board in the house, board in the house. You know what I'm saying? Like it's catchy as hell, mm-hmm. but guess what? He's actually talking about something that everyone is feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know Absolutely. So like, we might be like, yeah. uh, you know, lyrically, because, you know, let's call a spade a spade. Lyrically, it's not no lyrical miracles out here. Like, to be honest, mm-hmm. if I'm looking at it, I'm going to say J. Cole, Kendrick. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I like, uh, oh, my Joyner. God. Preach. Preach. Preach to the choir. I, I like Joyner Luke. Lord have mercy. He named two you know, people like, that. Jesus, go ahead. Keep going, man. I'm trying to... <laughs> you can't... You can't... I already you know about me, this one. Go ahead. Man, this, this is great, I'm, man. I'm, I feel like I'm, Essence has been my I'm best friend taking, for a decade. Listen. Listen. I, I, I study this thing like... I, I mean, I, I study this thing like... I'm like, okay, what is making this thing move? What's making this thing tick? Okay, cool. There's not a lot of lyrical miracles. Like, you know, I'm not expecting to be like, oh, you hear what the Migos said. I mean, you're never going to hear me say that. You know what I'm saying? But they make they make songs. I was like, okay, I'm in the club. I'm a little whatever. Okay, I can rock with this, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, there's, there's just not many of them. And that's why they stand out. That's why Kendrick can do numbers and not have any radio play. That's why J. Cole will always have a packed mm-hmm. show without a lot of radio play because they stand out. Like, what they've Absolutely. done, and that's why, that's why Middle Child is such a genius song because he's literally the middle child. He's like, all right. I know my history and and I know all my dope MCs, but then I'm I'm in this era right now. I'm gonna find a hybrid creation, and that's why it's so yep. dope and genius. Mm-hmm. And and to your point, he stands out so much. He's literally mentoring people that are like maybe five years younger than him. Like yeah, yeah. Usually, when you think of a mentor mentee relationship, you're at least thinking like a decade in age. Like this is literally. Mentoring people that are like five years younger than them and showing them the way. And, you know, we can take it even further. Just look at the evolution of the black rapper. Um, you know, maybe I'm missing some folks. Like, obviously, I know Dr. Dre was working on his business acumen in the 90s. But, like, look at Jay-Z. Look at Dr. Dre. Look at Kanye West. These guys were not only good artists, but they said, you know what? What if I had my own record label? What if I did my own content? You know what? I have a 
a good acumen for fashion and design. What if I started my yeah. own fashion line, using my yeah. resources to build wealth and help my community? And I think that's another great thing about the evolution of hip-hop is that now you see these artists, and, well, you know, some of them still acting crazy in the club or whatever, but now look at their business acumen. Look at the the schools that they're opening, the businesses that they're making, the, the money that's being made, like, I think in, in that itself needs to be celebrated and it's not looked at enough as well. Yeah, like uh, Kanye West said, he was like, you know, uh, it's a lot of artists out here, they need um, to be going public, you know, IPO, you know what I'm saying, with a whole board yeah. and shareholders for their brand because they are that strong where, you know, they could be on the stock market as a brand, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's how powerful these artists is, they get right to it, you know what I'm saying? And hip hop is that marketable, so it's like you know, it's it's the opportunities are endless, man. It's a worldwide market now. Everybody got to understand what was going on with this COVID nineteen. It's a worldwide market. Everything is being based on one world, and I'm gonna just say it like that. And everybody is moving in unison. And I'm talking countries, so the money and the opportunities in whatever business. You got to be thinking worldwide when you're setting up your internet website and and when you're setting up your marketing, you know, you got to be thinking worldwide. It's either locally in your city or worldwide. It's not going to be, you know, in between. It's going to be real hard, you know, to not, if you, you got to have a good plan. That's all I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? But if the opportunity is if you're on the internet and you're really hot like that, and you can be able to get people to listen to you, and you get the followers. You start slow. You'll look, and you only got a 1,000 followers, but the next day you'll have a million, and then the next day you'll have 10, and then the next day you'll have 100 million because it's a worldwide market. So when you start, you start day one, build up all your platforms on, you know, all your social media, your website, you know, your, your store, all that. You know what I'm saying? Build it all right there day one because – you can look up on on Tuesday, and you can have uh, four dollars in in, <laughs> in your uh, iTunes account. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, mm-hmm. uh, you look up on uh, on Friday, and and you got a booking, and you got a hundred thousand sitting there from sales of, of of downloads and all that because the shit goes quick. They get to TikTok in, they get to the snapping you, they get to Instagram, and they get to Twitter. And your shit's flying, and it can happen to anybody that's hot. So when you build your platform, build it all day one and be ready for it. You know what I'm saying? Y'all bringing up good, you know, really good points about this this whole thing. And then, you know, Edson over there just, he might as well just be singing lullabies to my brother over there because he's like, ah, this is just music to my ears, you know. Um, (laughs) Hey, for the record. My brother was talking to me like I'm asinine as I was trying to make my point to him. And nothing triggers him more in this world than to have people who he considers good friends agree with his younger brother. <laughs> I thank you. We can cut it. We can oh, cut it man. This, this guy. Same old man. Oh, boy. <laughs> so... Let me okay, so I wanted to, to pivot a little bit on what we were talking about because everybody was naming people, but at the time, you know, back when this first happened, who who in your opinion 
like took up the mantle for the West Coast. I know you had mentioned Master P. Master P thrived right after this. He got in, but I mean, as far as like the West Coast, when you look at like Snoop was still around, Dr. Dre hadn't fully established the aftermath. So when we just focus on the West Coast for a second, when Pac left that big void out there on the West Coast, who do you feel like picked it up? I mean, there were some guys in the late 90s that were that were starting to come around. I mean, Dr. Dre was still around. Again, Snoop was still there. But then you had the exhibits of the world that were coming, starting to, to, to come along. And th- there were other guys. But who do you feel like in the West Coast kind of took up the mantle as, okay, this is the guy now? Uh, I mean, that's what I was saying earlier. It really wasn't a guy. You know what I'm saying? Um, Dre came in, and he kind of bridged the gap. But, you know, the only guy that really, and I know here, here you go again, I know you ain't going to like this, that came in as a solo artist and that really held it down to the point where everybody had to recognize him as being the best was Jay-Z. You know what I'm saying? But for the West Coast, uh, I would have to say it was Snoop. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It was Snoop. He, was just, he just did it quite I would agree with that as you well. You know what I'm saying? I feel yeah, we I dropped, think we dropped he like five albums in a row that just you know yeah. classics, classics. You could argue Snoop is still the guy for the West. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when you think about West Coast, he's the guy. He's a name that comes up, even as an elder statesman now. Like, with, you know, well, and Kendrick, Kendrick, right now we think West Coast, but mm-hmm. commercially worldwide, Snoop is going to be the first thing you think of. It is, and he was yeah, dropping when, some. When you got somebody in Europe and you ask them about West Coast rap, they go, oh, Snoop Dogg, Tupac. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's the conversation that's here. And just look yeah. at who he's, like, mentored and brought up along the way. I, I look at that, too, you know, like, it's kind of like a head coaching tree. Like, yeah, you good at what you do, but who have you brought up along the way? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the West Coast, it's like Snoop, and that's it. <laughs> like, to just tell because he calls everybody nephew. So, like, if everybody calling you uncle, like, you you up there. So, you know, we could sit here and name all the influences that he has, uh, his coaching Detroit tree, was, his rap tree, whatever you want to call it. He was right, though. Detroit is right because, I mean, like, you take, like, and, he, and you'll agree with me on this, Detroit. You could take Snoop's Last Meal album and put that up against anything that was coming out in that era. That's some of the strongest stuff you'll, you'll hear, like yeah. uh, The Last Meal or, like, Top Dog and things around that, you know, around that era, Pay the Cost to Be the Boss. He was putting out stuff that you could, that resonated with you. And yeah. you're right, it was, it was Snoop. I think almost like Snoop got taken for granted out of there, like, yeah, Pac and Biggie, you know, died, but Snoop's like, hey, I'm still here, you know. Before either one of them was on, I was the hottest thing out there, so don't forget that. So, and pivoting away from the West, what about in the East? Because, again, Biggie leaving, Big Gap, I mean, there were still guys that were around. You talk about the Nazis of the world, LL Cool J, people like that, but who who did you see that kind of took up that mantle? And I know it could go straight to Jay-Z. Easy. Easy. Easily. Not even Jay Z, easy. And and and, I, and I will not only Diddy, but yeah, but yeah, right. But but you know, yes, but, but as a businessman, you know, because Diddy never right. wrote anything, you know. But mm-hmm. Jay Z, not only did he take over musically, but he took over the landscape of like, here's what you can do 
as a brand. Like you can do music, you can have a clothing line, you can own your label, mm-hmm. like you could be a businessman. Have a uh, you know, like uh, really, what? He, he have really a liquor, have a movie. have a club. Exactly. You know, like he mm-hmm. really set the blueprint. Like yo, this is bigger than rap. Like we can take this to the next level. Let's do that. Yeah, it was Jay Z. There's no question there. You know, Fifty tried to give him a run, but it was Jay Z. Yeah, right, Fifty yeah. did give him 50 a good run for his run. Run. He had a good little run. Fifty had a good, he had a mm-hmm. strong run, and he even had a comeback run with with the power. You know, with power again, again business moves, but like musically business, and right. consistently, a body of work. That does Jay. Mm-hmm. Man, this it's just so interesting to hear so many different people's views on how these things affected you, what your opinions were with this, and just. I don't know, it's just so so interesting to me to, to hear that. And for people to have background, you know, it's not like I just met Detroit Black and S and Sean the other day and we're just getting to know this. These guys who have been, like, basically, I have my brother on here, but they've basically been my brothers for 20 years. And I'm learning new things about how they felt about certain things even right now. And that's how, that's where the beauty of, of rap music is it's what made us all fall in love with it because it could you know it touches people in different ways and you're able to share your stories doing it. So I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you before we play, we got a little game that we play here on the on the aftermath that's exclusive to this podcast. But I did have um, uh, one question to kind of bridge it in is, I, and I'll start with Detroit Black on this one. In your opinion, how will history remember both these men? How will history remember Tupac and Big? Oh man, these these guys are icons. You know what I'm saying? Because after they passed, hip hop was never the same. So, you know, they're gonna remember them as. I mean, they're up there with the greats like uh, Miles Davis or something. You know, uh, Michael Jackson. You know, these for, for hip hop for that genre of music. You know, these guys are icons that you know everybody knows. Even two or three year olds, they learn like. Just like how they learn about Michael Jackson, they're going to learn about Tupac and Biggie. You know what I'm saying? And no artist will ever have that. And the reason being is when when you die as a martyr, you know, however great you was, is amplified ten times easily. And these guys die at the heights of their career and their fame. And still to this day, nobody was able to touch uh, the levels of everything that they offered. You know, you might get a piece here and there, but you couldn't be what they was. Not even Jay-Z. Jay-Z could never be big. Ever. Never. <laughs> you know, and he was an icon in his own right when he stepped into uh, the other arenas. But just with straight up just love, fan love, fan love, there's nobody messing with Tupac or Big, period. Well said from Detroit Black. Edson, same question, man. You know, well, how will history remember these guys? Well said. Um, when I, okay, for example, when Michael Jordan dies, what do you think will be the top-selling sneaker? I mean, not so much years after he's passed. Uh, be, I mean, if you ask him to take the one. And let me just say this real quick. The Jordan 11 is the greatest version of that. I'm a, no need I'm, to add me. I'm a, 13, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 13 fan, but, you know, anyway. Um, <laughs> but the Jordans will still be 
the top-selling basketball sneaker ever. Mm-hmm. There's just certain people that leave an indelible mark on whatever industry they're in. You know, there was Dr. Dre. I mean, Dr. Dre. There was Dr. J. There was Bill Russell. There was Will Chamberlain. Bob Cousy. There was all these people that came before Michael that were dope. Mm-hmm. Like a, I mean, they could ball out the building. But Michael was just a pivotal piece of basketball. And so I look at Pac and Biggie as that for hip-hop. Like, you had pivotal moments in music. Like, Run mm-hmm. DMC was a duo that would trade off and would do collabs with rock music. Then you had Rakim coming in with this nasally monotone but spitting metaphors. That was another pivotal moment. Mm-hmm. But Biggie and Tupac were like... Supernovas when they pass, you know, and 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 the, the the hole that they left is just way too huge. And when you think about, you know, hip hop, you have to. There's like it's like you can't talk about it without considering them, and it's gonna be like that for years to come. But on my only mm-hmm. concern is that, especially, I mean, this is a bigger issue. I think in our community we don't celebrate our icons enough. We don't celebrate our legends enough. You know, mm-hmm. well, like rock music does. Or that's why you got, you know, some of these young dudes, you're doing a Biggie tribute and you don't remember the lyrics? Bro, whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. You knew you was going to play stage with Lil' Kim. How you coming out here and not knowing the words? <laughs> you know, and, and, and not that he needed to know the song, but you needed to know the song for the show. Like, you don't understand what this person meant to hip-hop, you better go out there and know all them lyrics. Right. You know, and so the mark that they left was just that much of an imprint on hip-hop. They'll never be forgotten. They will always be remembered. Man, this is, I mean, like I said, again, being able to hear the different views from people who come, because we're from all different parts of the country, you know. You got me and EZ is two NOLA guys. Detroit clearly is from Detroit. He wouldn't call himself Detroit Black and be from Memphis. Whoa. And then you got you got S and Sean from Brooklyn. So the and this all touched us in different Whoa. ways. And in Easy's case, from a different generation, who he missed the G Funk era. He missed the whole '90s basically, and he still even knows mm-hmm. about it. So it's it's a big deal, and it's a big influence on people still to this day. You know, here we are talking about it. It's been 20 plus years, and here we are talking about it. You know, and we'll be mm-hmm. talking about it again in another 20 years that we're still blessed to be here to talk about. So, exactly. man, so now we get to have, you know, we had a serious conversation, we had a little fun, but now we're going to really have some fun is we have a, a, uh, a little bit of game that we play here um, on the aftermath called Don't At Me. And just to explain it to you guys is that I'm going to ask you a series of questions and you get a choice on what your answer will be, and then you got to put the stamp on it at the end and say, don't at me. Like, look, this is what it is. You can't argue with me. Don't at me. That's what it is. Okay. So, okay. so we're going to get going with this. And a couple of these, easy. I'm going to have to get your opinion on these two, man. You know, we got our guests here, but, you know, um, we need to just see how this is. I came up with some good ones for these guys. All right? So we're going to start. With this first one, who had the better debut album? Tupac with Tupacalypse Now or Biggie with Ready to Die? Detroit, we'll start with you. Oh, Biggie, Ready to Die. 
<laughs> Did you ready to die? Don't at me. I'm sorry, cut uh, out on me. Edson, did you answer already? Yes. Yeah. Did you ready to die? Okay. Did y'all finish it off with don't at me? <laughs> yep.
great years and all that, but they all were looked at as teams that could win it all. The Pistons was looked at as a team that could not beat the Lakers. And who are they going to win with these no-name guys to come together and shut down? That was a good team. I was torn. They were a very good team. And the Raptors, but nobody expected the Raptors to win the championship. I don't care if Golden State was hurt. Nobody expected that. But again, you definitely have an argument for that Detroit Pistons team. Like, yeah, that was definitely a Cinderella championship. Oh my God, he's such a homer, man. This is hilarious, man. I, I stuck that 04 Pistons in there, and, and he took the bait. Go ahead, Detroit. <laughs> All right, here's the next one. Easy look, man. I told you earlier when I was crafting these, I told you I was going to outdo myself with these don't at me questions, and I ain't even done yet. I got more. All right, so the next one here, and we'll start this one with Edson Sean. Uh-huh. What's the better movie trilogy? The Iron Man series or the X-Men prequel series. So that would be X-Men First Class, Days of Future Past, and Apocalypse. No, I, know I know, I know, I know it. Iron Man, don't at me. Oh, Good one. Said Iron Man. Right. I mean, you know, like the Iron Man was cool, but it wasn't. His part, the first Iron Man movie was great. And then days, he said, not days of future past or the first. No, X-Men. I was saying that's the ones to include in. So that X Men series, the prequel one. So it's uh, X Men First Class, Days of Future Past, and X Men Apocalypse. Oh man, that's easy, man. I gotta go with that the X Men over Iron Man, man. I mean, I know it's Marvel, man, but uh, the first class, Days of Future Past. Now the third one was so bad that it almost ruined what? the whole thing. But and the I first two was so good. Yeah, and see that's the difference because Iron Man was the first movie was as good as the last one, last X Men was bad, and the other two was not as good. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. they, you know they hit us with the fake Mandarin. You know they trying to say something, and then they did the swerve on the thing. Uh uh-uh. uh. But those first <laughs> two X Men movies were classics. Don't Man, Days of Future, Days of Future Past. I put that movie up against most any other comic book movies. They were about as good as it gets. Easy, you want to hop yeah, in on that one? Which, which was the better trilogy to you, the Iron Man the series? The fact that you had to clarify what movies were in the trilogy <laughs> makes this a very easy answer, and it's Iron Man. Don't ask me. You had to oh, let the people no. know what movies was in the trilogy. Right. Well, because there's so many like, you know, X-Men movies, I had to preface yeah, that I'm talking not, about I'm the prequel. I'm going to tell this you guy. exactly what's wrong with the Iron Man movies. They did not have no good villains. They didn't have no villains. The other two movies they had great. I mean, Jeff, like, no, Jeffrey Dahmer's thing was pretty. Wild. He's pretty good in the first one, man. I was over that thing. Yeah, he thing. was cool. He was good. He was cool. The they messed up. They should have kept villain. And you got to think about all of the Marvel movies, really. They mm-hmm. made the B-list Marvel characters in the comics like superstars right now. Iron Man is yeah. a B-list character in the Marvel comic book series. That's true. He didn't really, he didn't really have no, like, who his enemies? I mean, everybody, he was the most relatable for movies. I think that's why they went with him, though, because he was still like a corporate, a businessman. Everybody could relate to him. And the Tony Stark character was an asshole, so it was like, okay, this guy, we can make movies (laughs) about this Exactly, exactly. All right, got the next one here. Got a few more for you. Since, you know, we got two guests, we got to have double the questions. All right. 
who wins a playoff game in the next three years, the Detroit Lions or the New York Giants? Detroit, I'll start with Oh, you dirty. Oh, come on, bro. Dirty. Oh, okay. Come on, man. You wrong for that one. Next you three years. Yes. Oh, I got to go with my Lions, man. Don't at me, man. Stafford hey, is balling, man. man. Stafford is balling. We got a strong offense. The running game is going to be all right. The offensive line is way better than what it's ever been. You know, the defense still needs some work, but Stafford can get, can get it done, man. He going to get at least one. So, don't at me on right. that. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry about the Giants. Well, <laughs> I mean, I know why you did this. I know why you did this, and it's okay. I'm still going with the home team because I got I got to go with the home team and I got hope. I'm going with the Giants. Don't at me. <laughs> All right. So let's get I'm somebody. Not, I'm not even going. I'm not even doing football statistics. I'm going with the home team. Don't at me. Let's get some uh, independent <laughs> arbiter in here because I because I easily say that the Saints will win more playoff games or win it anyway. Easy man. Who who is it? The Giants or the Lions who will get a win a playoff game within the next three years? I'm going with Detroit just because they got a much better quarterback. Uh, I can't say don't at me because this was that was not expecting this question. Wow! <laughs> you, you get out of here. You know how to play the game. You're on yeah, the show. Was, you get out of here. All right. That was a dirty question right there. That I know. I stuck that in there to mess with y'all. All right. What's the What's the funniest sitcom? Martin or the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Ed and Sean. Oh. Oh. Damn. Um. Fuck it. I'm going Martin. Don't at me. <laughs> Detroit. That's the easiest question that you, you had tonight. It's Martin, man. Don't at me, man. Martin chilling <laughs> in Detroit versus some guy from Philly that's going out to Beverly Hills <laughs> trying to flex. Come on, man. All the stuff that you see in Detroit going on. All the characters that, that Martin was playing, oh that's an easy one. Don't at me. Oh, <laughs> my God. Easy, man. What about you, man? Man, as someone that knows every Fresh Prince episode verbatim, it is the Fresh Prince. Don't at me. But it's the most closer than people think. I'm going to chalk that up to age, bro. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to chalk that one up to age. <laughs> All right. A <laughs> couple more. Which city has the better food, New York or Detroit? Start with you, as Oh, Come on, man. New York, don't at me. And I've and eaten in Detroit, and I love Detroit food, so it's a tough one. But New York, don't at me. All right, man. That's just a, a foul question. Detroit has a whole <laughs> bunch of culture, and the food in Detroit is amazing, man. And for you to ask that question, it kind of makes it seem, you know, like when I answer it, like Detroit don't have great food, man. Detroit's food is amazing. It does. The culture that's, that's in Detroit is amazing. But in comparison, you got New York, man. All the places you could go, you could get real intricate anything. with the menu or what you want, man. There's no place in the world that you could get the food like you can get it in New York, no, man. Don't no, I, I feel I'm you in New York a lot. I know. Don't ask me. I, I feel you because when I was visiting Essen, man, he took me to this chicken spot that was in Brooklyn that looked like the health code should have shut it down and it was the best <laughs> shit I ever ate. It was I'm so good. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, how? I'm like, dude, how, are we supposed to be here? Like, what is this? And I'm like, yo, we got to go back there today, like right now, please. <laughs> That's the best place to go. If it looks too clean, yeah, you know, too shiny, nah. All right, last one here. 
And this can encompass everybody on here. And this is a, a tough one, I think, since going with the theme. Who had the better song with Bone Thugs and Harmony? Tupac with Thug Love or the Notorious B.I.G. Notorious Thugs? Edson. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Oh, boy. He's smacking up the world with these. Thank you, bang with us. I'm, I'm going to go with, with, with the Notorious because I wasn't even expecting them to come off like that. So I'm going with the Notorious. Don't at me. Oh, Notorious B.I.G. It's Bone Thugs, man. That's what you're going with? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good one, man. That was a great song, man. I, I, I can't, I can't, um, I can't, uh, I can't discredit you for that. But listen to me, man. The emotion that Pac showed on the song that he did with Bone was just amazing, man. It's just, I mean, I think he came with the Bone style, and that threw everybody off there. It's like, whoa, Biggie can do this. You know what I'm saying? Right. But, but yeah. man, the emotion that Pac had, man, I probably punished for hard living. Blind to the facts, thugs, convicts, and God's prison, hands on the... It's just the emotion that Pac showed on that song. Everybody was riding on every word that he said. Yeah. And he had just died. You know what I'm saying? So, I, man, that I, was not the agree. one. I'm sorry. That's why I was... That's why I was... That's why I was a, a, a tough question. <laughs> it's a tough question because this argument of both, but, you know... I wasn't expecting Big to come like that. And that's what was like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Very Damn, difficult question. That's, <laughs> that's what we come with. That's what we come with here on the Aftermath. The tough questions with Don't At Me. The most questions ever on there. Because we got two big time guests. Yes. Man, this was a whole bunch of fun talking to two guys that I consider to be like my brothers, man, talking about hip-hop playing Don't At Me on the Aftermath. So before we wrap things up, starting with Detroit Black, if you could please tell our fantastic listeners where they can find you on social media and where they can hear some of your stuff and what they can expect from you coming up soon. It's real easy to find me on social media. All you got to do is at Detroit Black on social media. You know what I'm saying? City, Detroit, color. Spell black is real easy. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, whatever. You know, define it. It's real easy. Um, right now, you know, I'm still uh, in the lab uh, working on business and getting things together to come out, you know, strong. It's like I don't have no project on the floor currently because, you know, I'm not really concerned about that. I'm concerned about putting together budgets. And then uh, I got a lot of... Uh, different artists that, you know, I'm I'm got my fingers on, you know what I'm saying? So that when when these budgets come through we can get it moving. And uh when I when I come back I'm gonna be bringing the whole city of Detroit with me. So who knows? Um nice. and then reaching out to others. And as well, just to but, let people you know, know too, Detroit Black is one of our featured artists that we play on our live show on Tuesday, you know. You just never know when you might hear a cut from Detroit on the show. S and Sean man <laughs> He's also another featured artist as well. Uh, if you could let the people know where to find you on social media, how they can get at you, and uh, tell us more about your EP that's coming up. Absolutely. Um, you can find me everywhere. Same thing, Snapchat, TikTok, wherever there's social media, at Edson Sean. That's E-D-S-O-N-S-E-A-N. And June 12th, I have 
um, an EP that I'm going to be releasing called Relax, Relate, Release. There's three songs inspired by the feelings felt during the quarantine time. Um, also, I would love for you to go to Spotify and go um, pull up Love Me Still featuring Redman. Give that a couple of spins. I also, at the top of the year, dropped another single called Face to Face. So I'm trying to hit you with some diversified records. Um, my whole um, movement, so to speak, is called Boxless because I never really believed in being in a box creatively. And so each song has, like, a different vibe. Each EP is going to have a different feel. So, yeah, that's what's coming. Nice. And, and, and I'm going to just Friday, say, as a fan, Friday, his stuff is great. Friday, Make sure you... I have a show that um on Instagram Live, so just follow me and yeah, stay tuned. There you go. Oh, and yeah. one other thing too, Essence, you don't want to forget is uh, and we can plug it right here. Uh, let people know where they can find you. Got a you have a radio show too, man. You being you being you being humble, man. Like tell them everything, oh. man. You got <laughs> come on, I man. Wasn't, I didn't know if it was a conflict of interest. Okay, no, um, I no, also not have at a radio all. Show. Okay, all right. Listen, I have to be clear. You know, I didn't know. Every <laughs> Wednesday at 4 p.m. from 4 to 6, I'm on Rhythm City FM. Tune in to www.rhythmcityfm.net. The show is called The Barber Shop. We chop it up about everything that means something to men, whether you are a man or you have a man in your life that you care about. So tune in. We have some good tunes. We talk about current climate and everything from men's mental health to hygiene to relationships to just life, period. So tune in. Oh. Yes, putting it all out there. So I do also want to point out <clears throat> as well for uh, the listeners of uh, this show, which we're recording on a, on a Friday, which will drop tomorrow, that it's going to be all over social media. And S. and Sean mentioned Spotify. You can find us on Spotify. We're on TuneIn. We're on Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts, and blogtalkradio.com slash it's the radio show. So we are all over the place. So we appreciate everybody supporting us, you know, giving us love, rate, subscribe, review. Definitely appreciate it. And uh, also want to point out that uh, if you're an artist and you have talent, you know, you're an author, you're a singer, a rapper, whatever you are, you want to be heard, Email us, the radio show inbox at gmail.com. We want to feature you. We got some great guests and some great artists coming up on these Aftermath shows within the next month. You're going to be really, really excited about the people that we got coming up for sure. All walks of life. So if you feel like your story needs to be told, make sure and hit us up. We're all over social media as well on Twitter, the radio show ATL, Instagram, it's the radio show, Facebook.com slash it's the radio show. We're all over. So make sure and check us out. Now, one last thing, too, is that I want to say a big-time heartfelt thank you to my two great friends, Detroit Black and Essence Sean, for coming and kicking it with us on the aftermath. They came in, talked about some hip-hop, and he already was a fan already, but EZ, he's just like, him and Essence Sean, they just might as well just be best friends at this point with everything that was happening with that. I mean, hey, come hey, on. For the, for the record... For the record, Detroit Black agreed as well. So let's let's not let's not dilute this victory here. Both guests were in my corner. I'm here for it. Who was it? Who was it that 
M16 thought was an asinine person in the back. I'm curious. Uh, so just give the, the listeners a backdrop. You know, we were just talking through, like, hey, this is what we're going to talk about with you guys. And uh-huh. he was like, there's no way that hip-hop is still prevalent today, blah, 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 old man. <laughs> I got you. And I got I'm like, you. yo, like, Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, like, those are, like, iconic artists. He's like, no, Jay-Z's overrated, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, that has nothing to do with the Listen. fact that he's iconic. And then y'all That's both named Jay-Z tonight, which made <laughs> that, it great. That argument began before you probably was born, bro. That's I, I Sean and I have been fighting that battle since you were in That's elementary school. Yeah, they have. <laughs> but, old, but, but the yeah, play yeah, some folks that yeah. say Jay-Z's the best at rapper of all time. I don't agree with that. Exactly. But, but that that is the beauty and will always be the beauty of, of hip-hop music and something that is subjective is that you're never going to get a bunch of people to fully agree on something, and that's what makes it great, where you can talk about it, you know, you can have discussions about it, and it not degenerate into an argument, but yet a discussion to see things the way you might not have seen them before. And I'm, I'm here for 16, it. That's what that, 16, one more thing. One more thing. The, the 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 icing on the cake was when you named J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar specifically. Um, okay. So are, are you gonna con- those people So are you gonna continue to people as well saying that they are like, you know, the headliners of this generation and of course you So know, are you gonna continue to to verbally fillet both both of these artists while I'm sitting here, you know <laughs> I mean jeez, man. Because their I, train I, of thought is wonderful. I, I'm not. I wasn't talking about Detroit and Edson. I was talking about like Jay Z and and J Cole. I'm like, geez, I get it. You like them, for God's sake, man. Jeez, I'm never gonna hit the end of this. And then what makes it even worse is that this is documented for all to see. This podcast is gonna drop tomorrow, and everybody's gonna hear it, and it's never gonna die. It's on the internet; it'll always be there. So if it ever comes up again, he's just gonna be like, "Well, remember when we talked to Edson in Detroit?" Yeah, he's gonna do that. He's just gonna turn it on. (laughs) Yep. That's right. This is great. Yeah, boy. I'm 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 happy to be. I'm happy to be the show's court jester if that's what it takes. Then fine, let it be that. <laughs> God, ah, golly. Dad Thank asked me. He was like, "Do you want a brother or do you want a pet?" I should have just picked a pet, but no, I wanted a little brother, and that's what I get. It's cool. Now we're going to cheap shots. Now we're going to cheap shots. Oh man. Oh my gosh, oh, man. man! It was just such a just it. such a just such a pleasure to get you two on at the same time here on the radio show, the aftermath. Check them out on all their social media. Check us out live Tuesday, 8 o'clock, blogtalkradio.com slash it's the radio show. And this will be the first of two bonus episodes this weekend. Mm-hmm, two of them. So you got to you gotta stay tuned to see where the next one is coming and who it's going to be with. But, yeah, we're, we're working this weekend. We're working. So, great. Edson, Detroit, we appreciate y'all, man. And we got to catch up and do this again soon. Maybe we'll talk sports next time, man, because I've seen that sport was coming out in Detroit, man. He's a homer, man. Oh, uh, uh, listen, listen. Hey, we can go for days. Anytime. Anytime. Appreciate it. And um, oh, you know, we will be in touch. So we appreciate y'all. And, uh, All right. Yeah, man. Appreciate you for having us. Yes, sir. 
So that was Edson Sean. Appreciate it. Edson Sean in Detroit Black. Check him out. Yes, indeed. Man, it was so great to talk to those great artists. So now, you know, we got another one in the tank, Easy Man. How you feeling about it, man? Well, I think the whole world knows how I feel about it. Um, I consider this a huge victory tonight. I bet you do. But it was a great conversation either way. No, absolutely. And uh, Edson and uh, Detroit Black are great guys all around. So I always love kicking it and talking to them. So this is cool, man. So, again, radio show, The Aftermath. We out here dropping them, man, keeping the, the word out on the streets, man. So just keep your ears open for more bonus content from us coming around real real soon. And, man, we just appreciate all the listeners, man, downloading and listening. We had another, you know, nice turnout for our show on Tuesday. And we'll be back hitting you again. Easy. I guess we can let these people back to their regularly scheduled weekend. Or whenever they listen Yeah. To All right. Appreciate y'all. All right. Later, guys.